Welcome to the Empower Your English Learner podcast, where we explore research, instructional strategies, leadership practices, and community initiatives that move the needle for English learners in school systems around the country. If you are a teacher, a school-based administrator, a district leader, or anyone who wants to do more for this group of students, then we are your home. In these episodes, we will explore ways to actively engage English learners in learning in the classroom, how to empower them so that they can achieve at higher levels, and how to ensure that they're more engaged and connected in the school community. We look forward to going through some ideas with you in our upcoming episodes. My name is Sandra Blotner, 26 veteran in the field of public education. And I'm so excited to be here with you today to continue this conversation about what we can do to improve learning and engagement for English learners. Over the last several episodes, we've been talking about what it looks like to be a systems leader, right? So what does systems thinking look like and how do you incorporate it into the work and how do you become that strong systems leader that is both an innovation implementer that knows how to leverage the collective wisdom of teams and be able to bring forth something new to address some of the challenges that you're facing. We've also been talking about being a change champion. And over the last several episodes, we talked about collaboration and what that needs to look like at the district and the school level. I also had to pause for a little bit, got some feedback from some listeners, and, and just kind of talk about what are some of those practices that we're seeing in other districts. And we talked about the work in New York, we talked about the work in the council from Great City Schools, and I wanted to actually revisit another great leader in the field right now who's really trailblazing work around improving the instructional program for English language learners in her state. And it is Angelica Infante Green. She's amazing. She's vocal. I remember hearing her speak at a TESOL um, convention at one point, and then I heard her speak again at another WIDA um, um, conference. And it just, just amazing in her vision for the work of what she needs to do and her commitment to this group of students. So one of the things as you, as I talk about um, this group today, you're going to hear me use the word multilingual learner because in her plan that she's been working on at the state level in Rhode Island, where she is the currently the lead, the main, um, the department of education leader, right? So that state superintendent, she's been really doing a lot of work around trying to look at the systems that need to be in place across the, her districts in the state of Rhode Island to ensure that multilingual learners get their needs effectively met. So today, I'd like to highlight some of the learning that I've done. And there is a, a blueprint that she's built for Rhode Island. And I'll, I'll link it to the podcast um, this episode as well, so you're able to go and dig into greater detail. But definitely a leader to pay attention to. 
So um, what I want to do is, is kind of walk you through her plan and just highlight a couple of the things that I've learned. And again, you'll see that when you hear me share, it does resonate with those research-based practices that are really effective for multilingual learners and English language learners or English learners. That's so many terminologies that we use right now in the field. Um, but want you to really be aware of it. So one of the things that this plan talks about, this Rhode Island, they talk about principles for multilingual learner success. And they talk about an asset-oriented system, a high-quality instructional system, a student-centered system, a research and data-informed system, and a coherent um, and nimble system. So I want to kind of unpack each of these step-by-step. Step. So let me define them first, and then we're going to unpack each of them. So principle number one, an asset-oriented system is all about understanding and valuing the culture and languages of multilingual learners. So keep that in principle, it's about, it's about the, the assets that students are bringing to the learning space and how do we make sure that we're elevating that and valuing it. Principle two is all about how do we make sure we have high quality instructional systems in place, which include curriculum, instruction, assessments, and professional learning. And what are we looking like and how are we ensuring that they are systemic to make sure that's focused on rigorous standard aligned instruction and is truly empowering students and engaging them in the work. Right. Um, so that was another one that, that was principle number two. Principle three is all about the student centered system. And we know that if we're talking about student centered then we have to think the whole child. Right. We're thinking about the families, the communities, the schools and how are we maximizing the opportunities that our multilingual learners have access to. So that's another aspect to consider. Fourth, it then she then kind of goes on to kind of speak to this research and data informed system. And what I love about it, it talks about how that data informed systems needs to be held up for all educators. It's not just the teacher teaching language, it's the teacher teaching content, it's the administrator in the building, but ooh, it's also the district level leader. And everyone has to own the work to improve it. And then principle number five, she talks about that nimble system, right? Coherent and nimble systems. So we're looking at our policies, the way we're allocating resources, the practices that are in place. So just really five powerful principles that really highlight some of the work. So let's delve a little deeply into each of these five principles. And I'll try to elevate for you some of the things that are part of the plan. So we talked already about this, but it's important to emphasize that it's about leveraging home language. So how are we allowing students to use the linguistic and cultural assets that they have to be able to bridge their prior knowledge and what they've learned to the new learning and the new knowledge that they need to learn, right? The, and how are we making sure that it's comprehensible for students? Because that, as we, as we make that bridge, we're helping them make connections to the learning. And then it becomes meaningful and relevant to their lives. That means that we're really looking at being deliberate about 
bilingualism and biliteracy and what that looks like. And really it's across the continuum from pre-K to 12. And so what I know that they're working on there in Rhode Island is building those pathways for students so they can continue to see themselves reflected in the learning experience and their culture and their language, right? So that's so, so important. It also is really talking about that targeted support. So we're not giving up on students. So what are those supports that need to happen in both English and the home language, right? So how do we make sure that we're really leveraging all of the learning that students have as they translanguage between English and whatever their home language is? And then also understanding that we're looking at strengthening the understanding of all educators. So that's going to be your classroom teacher, your special educator, your administrators, both at the school level and district level. So they understand what is that relationship between first language development and second or third or fourth. And what does that look like? So when I think about principle one, it's really about emphasis, the emphasis on valuing the assets that kids bring both linguistically and culturally to the learning environment. Then the plan moves on to talk about principle two, which is high quality instructional systems. So again, we talked about it being that curriculum instruction assessments and professional learning. So it's developing literacy and language and really ensuring that kids have access to grade level standards simultaneously as they're learning the literacy and the language. So very important. And that means that we're looking at explicit instruction for that academic and oral language as they're learning in various context, the content knowledge in various contexts. So that's really important. And it really making sure that those opportunities for productive and sustained academic discourse are happening in those collaborative structures in the classroom. So that needs to be nurtured and fostered. It, it was also then addressing the fact that everything needs to be data informed. So the collaborative structures that teachers are working within as they're working on the core content and language development, that also needs to be nurtured. And those conditions and contexts need to be created. So really, really important. And then with the, all of that being said, that ongoing feedback around language and content learning that's also very, very important. So making sure that those contexts are in place are critical for the students as they're developing their understanding of how the language works, but they're also learning the content. Principle three, which is really about looking at the whole child. So it's the student-centered student system, looking at families and communities. This is where we're looking at leveraging the knowledge and culture as you engage with families. That would mean that when you're having some of these meetings and you're sharing information with families, in some cases, we're doing that in the first language, right? We're strengthening partnerships with families and communities systemically at the school level and at the district level. And we're making sure that we're collaboratively designing and implementing ways to engage families. And we're co-constructing tools and resources. And we're making sure that we're representing the culture and the linguistic values of our families as they're engaging with the school. That means that for many, many um, 
international groups of folks, when we start looking at values, is that well-being, is the participation, and in the decision-making processes, it's looking at the the whole community and how we work together. So that is really going to be important. So that was principle three. Principle four is a, a powerful one. And I think if we think of many school improvement efforts, we know how val valuable it is to look at the research and the data informed practices. So this one here is emphasizing the responsibility of all educators to make sure they're, they are building their capacity in this area. So we're looking at systemic professional development. We're looking at shared responsibility and accountability for the education of our multilingual learners. Um, that means that there are state, there are district, and there are school measures that really emphasize what this looks like around the work, the services, and the policies that are in place. And again, there's so much work that needs to be done. And I know that sometimes I'm even thinking about my own experience. It can be easy to say, oh, we just don't know what's that, that group and we're not quite sure what to do. So we're just going to keep doing this thing over here. But it's really important to make sure that it's, it is a it is one of the things that is front and center in the school improvement work to really have a deep understanding of the best way to address the needs of English learners. So there are several ways to do that. In some ways, this means that you're looking at being evidence-based around the professional learning, making sure that professional learning is in place for educators and leaders, really looking at those observation protocols. What does it look like? What does high quality instruction look like for multilingual learners? And then how are you building in those practices to do those regular instructional rounds to address the needs of our students? And really make sure that what's happening in the classroom is reflecting those research-based and are truly data informed, right? So that might sometimes also mean that there are looking at equity audits that happen around the practices, the programs, the policies and decision making, as well as really looking and asking ourselves how valid and reliable are our assessments. Because if in fact those assessments do not reflect the faces, the culture and the language of our students, are they truly addressing the needs of our students? And are they truly giving us data that is actionable, that is valid and reliable? Then comes principle number five, and that is really looking at a coherent and nimble system. And again, I did mention that I really loved how this plan really focused on systems and being that systems thinker and that strategic leader that is really looking at things in a very holistic way. So principle five kind of speaks to defining the non-negotiables, right? Making sure everything is evidence-based, really having a clear understanding of how resources are being allocated. Um, it goes back to what we had talked about um, in a past episode. It's when we look at how, what we're doing with our pocketbook, does it reflect what we say our values are? And when we look at what we say it matters, and then we look at what we're doing and how the practices that are in place, do they match? Do the tongue in our mouth match the tongues in our shoes, right? So those are those questions we need to be asking ourselves. She also talks about the design and implementing high quality instruction and making sure that all of those services are in place to support both the academic and the social emotional needs of students. And ultimately that our practices are leading our students for college and career readiness. 
Again, I know that was a mouthful to kind of go through the plan, but I thought looking at this Rhode Island blueprint to success for multilingual learners was a, a very effective plan to really outline the work and how you need to really look at it systemically, looking at being data-driven, looking at the whole child, looking at the academic program, looking at making sure that you're valuing the the culture and the linguistic assets that students bring to the learning environment. So I hope this was helpful for you as you begin to consider some of the things that you might do in your school or district. It's so important to make sure that as you're looking at this work that you really are looking at it in a very comprehensive systemic plan and then you're really looking at how it touches every single stakeholder that is in that equation that will be touching English language learners or multilingual learners in various ways. Well, I hope this was helpful for you. And until next time, be the change that you want to see in the world. Visit us at createsolutions.us and let us work with you to develop diverse learners and leaders so that they can become change agents in their fields of study and industry.